Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. I think this chapter is one that everyone seems to know best because everyone can quote, I will go and do. If not, you can sing the song. So welcome to 1 Nephi 3. The Lord's going to ask us sometime in our life to do hard things. It's inevitable. I think what matters most is our response. How will we respond to the challenge the Lord gives us? I think I've been asked many times in my life to do hard things. Sometimes I had no idea how I was going to accomplish the thing that I was asked to do. If you listened last year, you would have heard me tell the story of being called to be the pianist in primary. When my children were young, I think that was probably the point at which I had to lay my faith on the line and decide if I believed the admonition that the Lord would help you accomplish what he asked you to do. But today, we'll see how Nephi and his brothers respond to the challenge. Maybe you could see how you would respond as well if you were put to that test. Lehi and his family have been gone from Jerusalem for more than three days when the Lord commanded him to send his sons back to Jerusalem to retrieve the plates of brass from Laban. So let's talk about the journey from Jerusalem for a minute. We know that Nephi and his brother, brothers made two trips into Jerusalem, the first to get the plates, and the second we'll talk about in First Nephi 7, and that was to go back and get Ishmael and his family. So this was no jump in the car and head into town trip. This was a long journey. From an old student manual, it says the distance from Jerusalem to the Red Sea, or the Gulf of Aqaba, is about 180 miles through hot, barren country uh, infested anciently by many marauders, and they had been gone three days' journey beyond that. This meant at least a 12 to 14 day trip one way. So, with that in mind, let's see what happens. This is 1 Nephi 3, verse 1. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, returned from speaking with the Lord to the tent of my father. And it came to pass that he spake unto me, saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream in the which the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brethren shall return to Jerusalem. For behold, Laban hath the record of the Jews, and also a genealogy of my forefathers, and they are engraven upon plates of brass. Wherefore the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brethren should go into the house of Laban, and seek the records, and bring them down hither into the wilderness. Well, it's interesting that he says the Lord com- the Lord commanded them to go to the house of Laban and seek the records and bring them down here to me. The Lord didn't say, hey, go try to get the records. But if you can't, I understand. Nor did he say, hey, do your best. No, he said, go get them and bring them here into the wilderness. So why do you think that the Lord waited until they were over 200 miles from Jerusalem to then tell Lehi to send the boys back for the plates? Could they have gotten them before? What do you think? Well, David Ridges in his book said that sometimes his students will ask him, well, since the Lord knew they would need the breastplates, why didn't he tell Lehi before they left the Jerusalem area instead of having the boys go back 180 to 200 miles, one way through a very dangerous wilderness filled with robbers and murderers? David Ridges says he responds, The answer lies in the fact that mortal life is for our learning and development. Nephi and his brothers each had many opportunities for increased faith and testimony during the hardships they encountered. Some of them grew spiritually, and some did not. That was David Ridges. When I think about this story, I say a similar thing. The Lord knew they were going to encounter tough things, not just here, 
not just three days past their journey into the wilderness, but on the ship and once they got to the promised land. We have the benefit of reading about their lives with eyes looking backwards. But they lived it without knowing the end from the beginning and not knowing what they were going to encounter. But the Lord did, and they would need those experiences to help them with the future. I said this when we did New Testament. Peter's experiences helped Peter learn something about Peter. And these experiences will help the boys learn something about themselves. And one more person who will need to learn something about herself. Soraya. We'll see that down the road. We too need to learn things about ourselves, where our strengths lie, and that we too can handle hard things. Okay, let's go see the reaction of the boys. First, Laman and Lemuel. This is starting in verse 5. And now behold thy brothers murmur, saying, It is a hard thing which I have required of them. But behold, I have not required it of them, but it is a commandment of the Lord. Therefore go, my son, and thou shalt be favored of the Lord, because thou hast not murmured. How do you think you would react? First of all, they didn't want to go, most likely because of their fear of Laban. But I'm sure they were most certainly thinking about another 12 to 14 day trip back to Jerusalem one way. And then they have to turn around and go 12, 14 days back to where their father was. But they were also not going back to get their stuff. They were being sent for brass plates. Now, why are those plates so important anyway? Well, we learned on an earlier podcast that these plates contained the first five books of the Old Testament. These were the scriptures for their day. First of all, the city is going to be destroyed and the people hauled off to Babylon. So what will happen to those scriptures, those important records? They could be destroyed as well or put in the hands of someone who didn't know the importance of them. And secondly, imagine starting a life in a new land with no scriptures or genealogy to tell you about your past. These records contain not just scripture, but genealogies. Someone once said without genealogical data, the links that join individuals to their ancestors are unknown. So important to have a link to the past. This is what Nephi tells them. We need them to preserve the language of our fathers and to make sure that our children have the words of the prophets. Okay, back to verse 7. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto my father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commanded them. So Nephi agrees to go, said, Don't worry, Dad. I know that the Lord will never ask us to do something unless he helps us accomplish that thing that he asks us to do. He never even murmured about the time getting back there. So we used to call this a covenant scripture, if slash then. If I go do what the Lord commands, then he will prepare a way for us to accomplish it. As you read the scriptures, you should look for these if slash then covenant scriptures. If I do this, then the Lord promises this. They're all over the scriptures. You might underline them as you find them. Well, you know the story of the two failed attempts to get the plates. They cast lots to see who was going to go in, and the lot fell to Laman. The term casting lots is talked about in the Book of Mormon about 24 times, but it's also talked about in the Old and New Testaments. It was done by casting stones to the ground or by drawing an object or a stone or a stick out of a basket or 
out of a hand, and whoever drew the longest or largest means that the will of the Lord was manifest through that decision. It's kind of a pagan term that the Jews used to determine the Lord's will. So Laman went, tried to get the plates by talking nicely to Laban and asking nicely for the plates, I just assume. Laban threw him out and he hightailed it back to the boys and said, okay, I tried, didn't work, let's go home. But Nephi stops them and now makes an oath to them. Look, I promised dad we'd bring them back. You'll hear Nephi refer to Jerusalem using the term go down or go up. We talked about this some in one of the previous podcasts. One always went up to come into Jerusalem and one always went down when leaving Jerusalem. But one thing is clear when the boys say they're going down to the land of their inheritance. That means they're leaving Jerusalem. Okay, let's go on to verse 15. But behold, I said unto them that as the Lord liveth and as we live, we will not go down unto our father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord hath commanded us. Bruce McConkie says this matter of swearing with an oath, just as you heard Nephi do, in ancient days was far more significant than many of us have realized. For instance, Nephi and his brethren were seeking to obtain the plates of brass plates from Laban. Their lives were in peril, yet Nephi swore this oath. Thus Nephi made God his partner. If he failed to get the plates, it meant God had failed. And because, because God does not fail, it was incumbent upon Nephi to get the plates or lay down his life in the attempt. That was Bruce McConkie. So, new plan. That's verse 16. Wherefore, let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Let, therefore, let us go down to the land of our father's inheritance. For behold, he left gold and silver and all manner of riches. And all this he hath done because of the commandments of the Lord. So Nephi now spends some time trying to convince his brothers that this is the right play. Let's go get our stuff and we'll make a trade with Laban. Okay, go down to verse 22. And it came to pass that we went down to the land of our inheritance, and we did gather together our gold and our silver and our precious things. And after we had gathered these things together, we went up again unto the house of Laban. And it came to pass that we went in unto Laban and desired him that he would give unto us the records which were graven upon the plates of brass, for which we would give unto him our gold and our silver and all our precious things. And it came to pass that when Laban saw our property, and that it was exceedingly great, he did lust after it, insomuch that he thrust us out and sent his servants to slay us, that he might obtain our property. And it came to pass that we did flee before the servants of Laban, and we were obliged to leave our property, and it fell into the hands of Laban. So now they're forced to run for their lives and hide in the cavity of a rock outside the city. Jerusalem itself is surrounded outside the city with caves. Many of them are burial caves. So it would have been easy for the boys to find a good hiding place outside the city. Now this was the second failed attempt. But you know this is not going to go unnoticed by Laman and Lemuel. You know this story. Laman and Lemuel are mad. Nephi says not just at him, but at their father too. Laman seemed to forget that he failed first. But now that Nephi had failed and had lost all their property and their lives are now in danger, well, now it's become a free-for-all. Let's see what happens. Verse 28, And it came to pass that Laman was angry with me and also with my father and also was Lemuel, for he hearkened unto the words of Laman. Wherefore Laman and Lemuel did speak many hard words unto us, their, bro their younger brothers, and they did smite us even with a rod. What do you think it means when they said they did speak many hard words unto us. Well, I can only imagine 
Think about what that means and how they must have spoken to Nephi and his brother. They were not above calling their father some pretty insulting names. I'm sure they didn't hold back this time. And what else did they do? They resorted to physical violence. Words were not enough. Not the beat- Now the beating had begun, and they hit him with a rod. Hugh Nibley says, Is it any wonder that Laman and Lemuel worked off their pent-up frustration by beating their youngest brother with a stick when they were once hiding in a cave? Every free man in the East carries a stick, the immemorial badge of independence and of authority, and every man asserts his authority over his inferiors by his stick, which shows that the holder is a man of position, superior to the workmen or day laborers. The government officials, superior officers, tax gatherers, and schoolmasters use this short rod to threaten or, if necessary, to beat their inferiors, whoever they may be. That was uh, Hugh Nibley. We don't hear Nephi say anything. I wonder if he's now praying and asking the Lord, what do I do? This is a hard thing. What do I do now? When all of a sudden, look what happens in verse 29. And it came to pass as they smote us with a rod. Behold, an angel of the Lord came and stood before them. And he spake unto them, saying, Why do ye smite your younger brother with a rod? Know ye not that the Lord hath chosen him to be a ruler over you, and this because of your iniquities? Behold, ye shall go up to Jerusalem again, and the Lord will deliver Laban into your hands. And after the angel had spoken unto us, he departed. Sometimes I read the scriptures different than most people, but I like to think that the angel said it this way. Hey, cut it out. Behold, get yourself up to Jerusalem again, and the Lord's going to give you Laban. Boom. Okay, back to verse 31. And after the angel had departed, Laman and Lemuel again began to murmur, saying, How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laban into our hands? Behold, he is a mighty man, and he can command fifty. Yea, even he can slay fifty. Then why not us? Well, the angel's gone. But even seeing an angel didn't stop the whining of Laman and Lemuel. What is it going to take for these two boys to figure it out? This is a freaking angel for him's sake. Can you imagine? He stands in front of you and says, Stop it. Get back in there. And the Lord's going to provide Laban. And still they whine about it. Yeah, but Laban has armies, and he can call down tons of guys to slay us. Wait, didn't you just hear the angel tell you the Lord's going to take care of it? This is where we see that even seeing angels or hearing the voice of the Lord is not enough. Joseph Fielding Smith said, A visitation visitation of an angel would not leave the impression that we receive through a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Personal visitations might become dim as time goes on, but this guidance of the Holy Ghost is renewed and continued day after day, year after year, if we live to be worthy of it. That was Joseph Fielding Smith. Unfortunately, we're going to see this time after time with Laman and Lemuel. And here is one of those times that Nephi told us about in 1 Nephi, that he would show us that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto deliverance. Deliverance from his brothers and deliverance from Laban. The Lord's going to ask us to do hard things. Maybe not Laban hard things. And maybe not a 12 to 14 day walking trip to another city to pick up some scriptures, but we will be asked to do things that will try us and test us. The Lord requires hard things of us to strengthen us and to make certain that we can do the really hard stuff when it comes time. But the Lord also might require something of us without letting us know immediately how or when or even why we should do it. 
The student manual again says Nephi learned how, when, and why the Lord would help him only after he allowed the Holy Ghost to direct him and after he decided to go forward with faith. Harold B. Lee said you must learn to walk to the edge of the light and perhaps a few steps into the darkness or the unknown and you'll find that the light will appear and move ahead of you. That was Harold B. Lee. What are some hard things you've done? Are you ready for when the Lord asks hard things of you? I found this story years ago, and though I was going to go on to the retrieval of the plates, I went back and forth about this story, and in the end, I felt impressed to tell it. It's told by Alan Burgess, so here it is. Phil was so shy that he felt absolutely petrified at the thought of speaking in front of others. As a senior in high school, he was required to take a speech class. He was so afraid of speaking that the teacher told him she would give him an A if he would simply come to class every day and write a speech each week. When Phil got to college, he had to take another speech class. It was the only class Phil ever received a failing grade in. Because of the absolute terror he felt as he thought about giving talks in church and telling people about the gospel, for over three years Phil put off serving a mission. Finally, with the encouragement of a good bishop, Phil sincerely prayed to the Lord and received the strength to accept a mission call. The first time Phil knocked on a door, he was so frightened that he forgot his name and the name of the church, but as he started to bear his testimony, the Spirit of the Lord penetrated the innermost depths of his heart and soul. By the end of the first day of his mission, with the Lord's help, his weakness was quickly becoming one of his strengths. Phil is now a full-time seminary teacher, and he spends much of his time speaking at firesides, education weeks, and at church meetings. People often tell Phil that he is a natural-born teacher, not realizing the great effect the Lord has had in Phil's life. Many lives, including Phil's, have been touched because he had enough faith to accept a call to serve the Lord. That was Ellen Burgess. The Lord stands ready to help us, to strengthen us, to help us do hard things, We just have to move our feet, and the way will be opened. Elder Neil Maxwell said this quote clear back in 1975. God does not begin by asking us about our ability, but only about our availability. And if we then prove our dependability, he will increase our capability. We'll talk more about the next successful attempt next time. So, until next time.